You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 127 with Anna Sherbina. Anna, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Jimmy. Now, uh, again, I know I say this every episode, but I love this topic. (laughs) I guess this is a common theme of me saying this every time because I only ask people to come on the podcast when we're talking about a topic that I love. And we're going to be talking about hiring, specifically remote hiring. And I love this topic because uh, hiring is something that a lot of agencies, I think, put off for too long because they're worried about costs or whatever that is. And Anna, you've been helping people hire remote employees for quite a while. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually been hiring remotely for over nine years now at this point. Oh, wow. Right. Because you used to be like a COO kind of role for other companies, right? Yeah, I've actually been doing recruitment and operations side by side for, as I said, over nine years uh, in all kinds of companies, hiring all over the world for all kinds of businesses. And then I moved that focus over to helping more online businesses or companies that have remote teams in the past two, three years now. Boom. Yeah. And I mean, everyone needs help with that. This must have been a great, well, sorry, last year must have been a great year for you. Everyone was looking to hire online. (laughs) That is absolutely true. There was a month of radio silence when everyone obviously was freaking out. (laughs) But after that, it was like, oh my gosh, we have to go remote. Let's hire, let's hire, let's hire. And then somewhere in May, it just took off. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And I uh, guess it sucks a little bit to gain from when other people have lost so much. Uh, You know, I feel a little guilty, but I mean, it worked out so well for us too, because we hired twice, uh, only twice. We ended up hiring three people out of that because the applicants were so amazing because I guess everyone didn't have jobs anymore. Uh, and so all these amazing people were sitting there looking for jobs. Absolutely. I mean, we've had positions where we would invite like 100 applicants to apply, but would get 600 applications. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a whole level of new abundance when it comes to hiring. There's so many incredible candidates out there. Mm-hmm. And definitely there's a mindset shift of going from headhunting for people who are already in secure jobs on LinkedIn, for example, to going and really being able to just put a post, a job post up, invite a few people and then get hundreds of applications mm-hmm. because so many people are going remote right now. Yeah. So, so let's start then from like, what do you think holds people back the most from hiring? Like, I mean, the the biggest, most obvious one in everyone I speak to is uh, the cost, right? Obviously, you know, if you are building an agency up and, and, you know, you've got just enough to pay yourself or whatever, you know, like whatever it is, I think everyone always overestimates how much these are going to cost. And this, I just want to, um, you know, I know you're probably itching to, to talk here, but I guess like just something I've learned recently, like we were speaking offline before, I did not realize how 
like it's affordable it can be to get amazing people and i'm not talking about just hiring like the philippines because it's cheap or whatever you know a lot of that's kind of the often thing that i hear but you know this this year we hired in uh canada france and um mexico and like all of them were more affordable than i kind of expected so it was just something that's kind of been a big block in my head for no reason for so long so yeah i don't know do you do you experience that a lot Yeah, I would say there's a few different challenges that business owners really have. There's one, obviously the cost. And I think a lot of that comes from if people are hiring nationally. So especially in the US, the mindset is still in there. Even if it's remote, we have to hire in the US or we have to hire in Canada. And there's this weird as another block, not just the cost of, oh, we'll we'll have to hire someone, it'll be quite expensive, but also the block of hiring internationally. I think this is something that's very still a new trend of, oh, I can hire internationally. This is completely okay. I can bring on someone as a contractor and they still, I can still make them a full team member Mm. on that, like in a cultural way in the team, long-term hire. And I think there's this mindset that if you hire internationally, it's going to be for a short term rather than, you know, long-term mindset. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, well, let's just squash that because we've had, uh, I've got a developer that's been with us since 2014 uh, that we found on, is it freelancer.com? It might've even been before it changed to freelancer.com. Like, I don't even know if anyone uses that anymore. That's, that's how old it no is. No idea, honestly. <laughs> but, um, like, you know, no idea. he's been basically a full team member for a very long time. And like, we've had people internationally for years and I guess, why are people worried? I think it's not going to be like they can't maintain culture when they're hiring internationally. Yeah, there's culture. There's obviously a lot of stereotypes that we still have around hiring and that people won't either have the right English skills or they won't be as competent if hiring abroad. There's just a lot of stereotypes, I would say, still, especially in companies who have not had people internationally. As you said, when you already had that experience, you're like, oh, I know that I can hire someone for the long term and it's going to totally make sense and it's going to work out. It's great because you have that example. But if a company has always been hiring internally inside the United States, for example, or in Australia, it's a bit hard to get out of that you know, those stereotypes, that mindset. And another blog, just to add to that is obviously this fear of letting go, right? Delegating is mm. always also a challenge when it comes to hiring. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love that there's like the problem that people think other countries or whatever are going to be incompetent as if like everyone that you hire from your own right? country isn't going to be in, like, like as if everyone's competent. Like, no, there's we've hired inside Australia before and, <laughs> and you know, you can find just as awful people as anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. It's it's definitely a stereotype where you'll think that if a person doesn't speak the same language, like English, for example, is not their first language, then all of a sudden that means that they're less competent. But I've hired as well internationally, and it was incredible because people do care. People do invest in the company. They're passionate, uh, especially if they're coming from a different culture and country. They sometimes are even more thoughtful because because they understand they're dealing with a company that's different from their own, from like a different country and a different yeah. mindset. So they will care sometimes even more than when you're hiring from your own country, yeah. weirdly enough. Yeah. And I also just am so weirded out that people like 
think they have to like it's almost a hassle to hire offshore like i've always been the other way because as an australian it is super annoying to hire an australian versus to hire an <laughs> offshore contractor full-time like there's so many more things you have to sort out like you have to have like in like insurance cover for the workers and and um like even though they're not doing anything, like you still have to have a cover for them just like sitting yeah. at a laptop. Um, and like a 401k equivalent, if you're American and listening mm-hmm. to this, like superannuation, like um, like it, it, tax, not tax bills, but accounting bills go up because now you've got all this stuff to mm-hmm. deal with an employee. And like, it's actually quite a barrier to hire an Australian. But anyway, I've just, it blows my mind that people still think like that. Um, so let's actually talk about process now. Like if someone is, convinced they didn't they've heard all this and they they know they need to hire someone where do you start where do you go to start like what's number number one step number one that is such a great question because i think i'm going to surprise a lot of people with okay. my answer Good. <laughs> uh the first and foremost thing is actually defining the role to a big surprise, a lot of people, when they go out and they're like, I'm ready to hire, they think they know what they need. But right now at that stage, when they've made that decision, it's just, hey, I need help with marketing. So I'm going to go out and hire a marketing manager. But there's so many questions they still haven't answered. Have mm-hmm. they talked to their team? Have they done the research of what the online equivalent of that role would be? Uh, for example, and some may agree, some not, but for I, I often hear media buyers Right now, a lot of the times that's going to be called like a Facebook ad specialist or a marketing manager in the remote space. A media buyer is that terminology is a little bit less often used. And so just being able to go out and understand what's the language that's being used and doing the research, talking to the team and having those clear definitions of what success will look like for a role that is the absolute first thing a company must do before going out and hiring. Otherwise, the entire rest of the process is going to be a complete mess to define who will actually be a good fit for the role. Oh, that's so good to hear because that's kind of what I ended up doing uh, last time I because I didn't really know where to start when we did these hires last year. And I went out and I actually found a bunch of remote job posts, like people who were, you know, advertising a position, a remote position. And I just went through lots of different job postings and found ones that I did not like and found ones that I liked and kind of tried to replicate them. And in the process of replicating them, like the, like the format, you know, I might be like, here's the things you'll be doing. Here's the ideal skills we want you to have, uh, you know, and in the process of replicating those, it actually made me really think out every little thing that someone might, well, not every little thing, but general categories of, you know, what they might be doing, what they might grow into later if they feel like it, like, you know, and I had this, I was so proud of my job posts by the end of this. And all I did was really (laughs) pillage off other people's uh, job posts, the ones I liked. Yeah, you did the research, right? And I, I feel like a lot of companies don't realize that it is an important piece. And then just to add to that, a lot of companies will put out a job ad and they don't realize that they're actually selling a role. To find an amazing candidate, it's not just putting together an amazing post in terms of like what you think you'll need. It's also being able to figure out how to word it in a way that will also attract the right candidates. If you're looking for a certain level, such as leadership positions internationally, there's so many posts out there and incredible candidates will be sifting through and being like, well, this looks boring or this one doesn't connect or this company won't take me to where I want to go. And something that a lot of business owners don't realize is you you do have to sell the role. There's that selling aspect mm. when you put out a job post. 
I'm so glad you said that because, yeah, that was a big part of kind of what I was stealing <laughs> from everyone yeah, else because I was looking at the at the job post and, like you said, some of them were just so boring. I was like, I don't want <laughs> to come across as like this is our company. If someone reads this job post, it's like dry and so awful. And, like, I, I would read the same post. This was a customer support rep. And I'd read the same essentially job description from another company that just sounded amazing. I was like, I want to work there, not at that boring one. <laughs> so, you know. I have a confirmation even from candidates that go through job posts and I say, well, I, we always ask, like, why did you apply? And their response is, when I was reading the job post, I thought I, it was speaking to me. It's mm. like you guys were describing my skills, my passion, my background, where I want to grow, like what I want to grow into. So I, I've heard this from the candidates that when you actually do a job post that sells, they notice that and they really connect with that. It, it's like marketing, but just in recruitment. Yeah, totally. It, it was the big what's in it for them, right? That's the mm-hmm. whenever any marketing piece, that's like the whole thing, like what's in it for them. And that's really important in what I found in, in job ads as well. Like it sort of clicked once, once I put it all together and I had everything I wanted in the job post, I was like, wow, like this is okay. Now I get it. <laughs> especially once we I mean, got, that's, it's true. Yeah. And especially once we good, got a good candidate out of it, like it, it was kind of validated. So yeah, it's really cool to hear you say all of this stuff that I kind of just worked, like waded through and worked out myself. I should have talked to you earlier, Anna. <laughs> so <laughs> what's, what's the next bit? We've got our job like role and, and post defined. Mm-hmm. How, where do you go to get candidates? Uh, so again, another great question because I think a lot of business owners, small businesses, medium businesses, and even I mean even corporate companies, there's this mindset. Uh, and I, even I've had experience in the past where I've done recruitment for other companies and they are, we only do LinkedIn. And I'm like, well, why? There's all these amazing job boards out there. If you're looking to hire a remote candidate, why are we sticking to LinkedIn? And, you know, you, you'll, you'll so relate to this, but it's the 80-20 process. I feel like with LinkedIn, it's 80% of the work. For 20% of the result, it's completely the opposite. (laughs) Whereas these amazing platforms out there that you can utilize where you're doing, you know, 20% of the work and getting 80% of the result. And I can attest to that because we've had, you know, putting up a post for a project manager and had over 600 candidates. So it's like definitely not LinkedIn, uh, you know, in terms of the results. And just to say, just to speak to a little bit um, into the actual places we do look for, you'll be surprised. So one of our most popular ones that a lot of business owners are against, but is so incredible if you know how to utilize is Upwork. And I say Upwork because though there's a stereotype that that's where you go to get freelancers, a lot of people that are new to the platform, they come on because they are looking for a job. They do want stability and either it's, you know, a lack of past experiences. They haven't been able to find a job. They just started on the platform. They just got out of a job. There are so many people, if they're just new to the platform, that have incredible skills, talent, and the desire to find a long-term position, but no one's really looking at those candidates. They're usually looking at the ones that have earned a certain amount on the platform, but why would they want a long-term role if they've been in the platform for a while? So we have a completely different approach when it comes to filtering, and almost 80% of our roles, we find long-term staff from Upwork. So that's it's quite surprising, but it's true. And then obviously a few other ones include Indeed and AngelList. We found incredible candidates where you wouldn't really expect it to be, but they have become more remote friendly and we found incredible people on there. That's 
bloody awesome to hear. Like uh, the Upwork, because because I've always had pretty good success with Upwork as well. Like it's it definitely has a stigma, um, but I think mm-hmm. and, and but I never thought of it like you have where you filter by people who uh, haven't been there long, you know, like that, that's a really cool idea. Cause I, I can't tell you how many applicants we got to our, our both the roles we hired for were permanent. Um, and I can't tell you how many freelancers applied that were looking for a mm-hmm. change, like massive Absolutely. percentage. I can't tell you off the top of my head, but cause I was reading every single application, uh, you know, and, so many, so, so many that were just, cause that was actually a question I asked for someone like they even had their own like freelancer websites, you know, the joeblogs.com freelance writer or whatever it was. <laughs> and, right. and, and I'd say, well, wait, are you like a freelancer or are you looking for a full-time job? And they'd be like, oh no. So I have been doing freelancing, but this is what I want to do now. And blah, blah, blah. So many, so many. So and even really cool. people who have had like, either a good career in freelance, like a few years in freelance, and they're just absolutely tired of being, you know, going from client to client. Cause a lot of the times what people don't realize is, and this is business owners, because in their mind, they love that risk factor, right? But the people who are looking for jobs, even the freelancers, they don't like the risk factor. Upwork is always jumping from client to client. And if you don't really know how the system works, it is such a struggle. There's so much selling involved. There's all these things that they have to do that's kind of an entrepreneurial mindset that a lot of people are like, I just want to do marketing. (laughs) I just want to do operations. And I've had so many conversations like that. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Not everyone's made to run a business, you know, like people really just don't like it. You know, I've got friends who I I thought would be great at running a business, but they just have zero desire you know (laughs) i can see people do that they have passions they have passions that they want to pursue and being a business owner and i i can't even tell you how many people i've spoken to who've run their own businesses successfully and they're just like it's too much responsibility it's Mm -hmm. too much time it's exhausting and i can't even do the thing i love which is you know x marketing operations etc 100 percent Yep. (laughs) i know that feeling uh so (laughs) so next part of the process i guess like um how like how do you structure the actual application? Because I found this made a massive difference for us. You know, like I've seen a lot of posts where the questionnaire or something is um, send us your resume. You know, maybe like two other random questions. And I can tell you, I did not even look at a single resume for for when we hired. Like it was all about questions that I asked them that they had to answer. Um, so I really liked that. But do you have any tips for like like actually building the application itself? Yeah, so two things here. Uh, in terms, I just want to say about the CV a little bit because you did mention that, like the resume. Mm-hmm. I've kind of gone back and forth. In the past, I went from we always ask for a resume, old school, you know, approach, just the resume, you know, as everyone had in the past. Mm-hmm. Then I went to no resumes are a complete lie. They don't tell you anything about a candidate. You can't, yeah, you're getting nothing in terms of that. People will write whatever they want to write and structure it anyway, just to get a <laughs> certain job. So I've yeah. definitely been there and we've hired like that in the past. And then I found some, a kind of a golden middle, <laughs> nice. a balance of it, which is, you know, 
definitely have it there because it will give you a chance to get a bigger picture. It's a piece of the puzzle, but it definitely should not be the whole puzzle because by having that in front of you, you'll definitely be able to see, you know, how long they worked somewhere. You'll be able to kind of go deeper into those experiences, figuring out like, what did they enjoy? What they didn't, their trajectory. So how have they grown? So a resume can tell you a lot about a person rather than just where they worked for how long they worked. Hmm. There's a lot of things you can pick up on that. So I just kind of wanted to mention that piece. And then in terms of how we structure it, we actually have a framework that we've built out and it's a five-step process that we have pretty much for any position we hire for. And I mean, VA all the way up to senior leadership positions. And that's usually a questionnaire and the questionnaire will pretty much collect everything. And they're going to be able to tell us about their past experiences. So we're asking them directly, how much experience do you have with like X requirement as an example. So it's not just their resume telling the story. They're also able to tell that story. And then we're also putting in uh, like, again, the CV resume, for example, examples of work. So we're requesting examples work. So the questionnaire is really getting like, again, a bigger picture together of what's happening uh, and their background. So we'll have a questionnaire, then we'll go ahead and do a skill test with hard and soft skills, depending on the position. Then we'll go into a video. So just a small video with a few questions to see, again, how creative they are, how receptive they are, will they be able to kind of go through that? And what's interesting is, what and a lot of people don't realize, the reason why we've created the process is that when it's enough hoops, you'll know a person is invested rather than, hey, well, why do I have to spend all this time applying? Well, if you want the job, you'll spend all that time applying. So especially if we're hiring not a freelancer, but for a long-term position, the expectation is we want someone who cares. And if a person goes through that process and goes through it quickly, and we do have that, they're definitely invested, right? So video, and then from there, there'll be a few interviews, one usually with myself or hiring manager on my team. Then with the client, sometimes they'll have like a team member also on their team do it. So usually there's two or three interviews And then we'll do reference checks, which also is for some reason, this weird topic of, hey, that's only corporate companies. Why would a small business need to do reference checks? Absolutely necessary to get the bigger picture. Your goal when doing recruitment is have the biggest, fullest picture of a candidate, their background, their experience, their personality and potential culture fit. So that's how our process looks like. Nice. Well, if that sounds like a lot of work to people, it's because it is. And that's why people pay recruitment companies. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You, uh, you gave me nightmares before when you mentioned 600 applicants to one job. Oh my Lord. Like a hun- over a hundred to me is like, oh no, I've got enough to do. Luckily we only got 105 to our customer support role. Um, and uh, just for reference, we used Dynamite Jobs for that, which is uh, you know for product we're both familiar with. You were in the DC, so um, yeah. And like, so just to back up to the resume thing too. Like, I well, I still ask for the resumes, and I lie. I didn't look at them, but it definitely wasn't. So I did look at a couple of them, but it wasn't my first pass. You know, like I used the questions in a way, like in a similar thing, like there were questions that people could write small amounts or large amounts on. And the enthusiasm really came through on a few of those questions. Like if they've gone through five questions and written a two word answer to all of them, like none of those were good applicants. Like they didn't care. They didn't even take the time to read, like, cause read the job role, you know? So mm-hmm. that was a really, um, 
big deal for me. Like I actually dropped it all into Airtable. I made them fill out a, a form with, um, you know, just an Airtable form. And then I just had this spreadsheet of everyone that made it really easy to just like literally go next, look at the answers. And then I had a star rating. That's how I did my first pass, like just sort of one to five stars. Um, and then I, you know, have to, have to do that a few times to get the shortlist down before our, our interview stage. But yeah, I don't know if that, that helps anyone. What would you... Absolutely. Which the questionnaire is so important in that sense to have at least some sort of filtering when it comes to, you know, not just them sending a piece of you know information or a document, but actually being able to have a few things where they're putting in the effort of telling you the story. Yeah. Do you manage WordPress sites for your clients? If so, you should probably check out WP Remote. It's a central platform to manage all of your sites in one place. That includes security, malware, uptime monitoring, and it's even got a built-in staging system. But my favorite feature is the visual regression system that will give you an alert if something breaks on an update so you can get in there and fix it. It was created by the same people behind BlogVault and Melcare. Now, BlogVault is one of the best backup plugins I've used, and it's also trusted by some of the biggest WP maintenance agencies out there like GoWP, WP Buffs, WP Valet. So if these guys rely on it, you know it's rock solid. You can try WP Remote for free and get 10% off any of the paid offerings by going to wpremote.com slash highway. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, that was it. And when they did tell a story or like, yeah, the, the, and it was really um, personalized to the job ad, it was so clear, like who actually cared, um, you know, and, and again, for those questions, I pretty much just pinched a bunch of ideas from other job posts as well. Cause like, I, I've never hired a customer support or customer success person before. So, you know, and, and that just gave me ideas for other things to ask as well. It wasn't rocket science, you know, it just took time and thinking and like you said, research and planning that out. So yeah, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad. Like again, my my process is kind of being validated here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I completely agree. You have to have a process, and I think you're going to agree with this point as well. That a lot of business owners don't realize is you have to invest the time up front so you don't lose the time in the long run. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, if you hire someone that's not a fit, there's so much more work in moving them on, and all oh, them not doing a good job, and oh, it's awful. Yeah. I mean, a lot of business owners just try to find loopholes and try to find ways of, you know, making the process faster, which Mm. I completely understand when you're a business owner and you have a ton of your plate and then you're trying to delegate by hiring this person, but you're actually adding more onto your plate by trying to hire (laughs) this person. It's it's kind of, you know, a chicken and egg problem, but at the end of the day, you just, you know, you got to do it. You got to invest that time and you have to know, you know, you have to keep in mind in the back of your head, it's like, it will pay off in the long run. It absolutely will. So let's talk about like in general across this whole process of, uh, you know, getting that initial list of uh, candidates uh, and sort of vetting, like, because you said there was quite a lot there that, you know, you, you had your short list and then your interviews and then reference checks. Like, what I, I I didn't do reference checks, by the way. I, yeah, didn't even um, consider that. That's a, Really good point. Um, I think it's, it's worked out okay for us, but I'd like to know about some of the things that people should watch out for and how they should conduct this process. Yeah, absolutely. Things to watch out for, I would say reading between the lines is something that is 
maybe, I mean, like to really sink in, to read between the lines when a candidate is applying. And you, you gave a great example of that when they had all these questions come in and the way, right, that they're responding, how quickly are they responding? What are they writing? By reading between the lines for any process that someone sets up, we're, when we're looking at a video, we're looking at how do they montage it? You know, how much time do they put into it? Um, do they follow instructions? Are they being creative? Uh, you know, there's just so many pieces where I think a lot of business owners, they're trying to use, for example, personality tests to be able to figure out whether a person is a right fit. But what happens is that a lot of times in personality tests is people will respond the way that they think they should be responding mm-hmm. rather than what they actually, you know, what the actual truth yeah, is around that person. Totally. And so when we're doing this process, my team has a way of evaluating each part of the process. We're actually reading between the lines. We're looking at, you know, again, are they motive? What are their motivations? What are their responses telling us, you know, b- beyond what they're actually telling us? And so a big part of our process in the very beginning, when I said the vision part and actually identifying the role in that piece, we're actually asking in the very beginning, uh, a client, we're asking what exactly is it that you're looking for in terms of the personality? What are the pieces that they have to have for them to be successful at that, that role? And then we're going to take that into account when we're looking through the process, but we're going to be looking at it when the candidate least expects it, so to speak, because mm-hmm. when they're putting, when they're so focused on get delivering on the task at hand, they're just looking at it very straightforward. They're not thinking, well, is what I'm writing reflecting X about me? Mm-hmm. They're not really you know, thinking that far ahead. And so I think that's an important piece that a lot of business owners should keep in mind, reading between the lines and watching out for those red flags. What are What is a potential candidate telling you that they're not telling you, so to speak, yeah. if that makes any sense? Oh, no, no, it does to me because I've been through this process so many times. What you're describing is kind of like gut feel. That's basically what it is. And gut feel is massive in all parts of life, I feel. And a lot of times people don't trust it, their gut. And I've found that hiring is one of those few places where it like it's so good. Like, like gut feel, if you're getting a bad gut feel, it's probably telling you the right thing and you should move on to the next candidate. Uh I don't, yeah, it is hard to describe. Like you kind of, you know, you said, does that make any sense? And it's like, yeah, well, how do you describe gut feel? I don't know. It's just like, I don't get a good feeling about this person. <laughs> there, there are definitely red flags. And I think, you know, you you had, that that is an amazing thing that you trust your gut. I do think there's a lot of business owners where, there is a leap of faith when it comes to recruiting. You're probably going to agree with this. There is a leap of faith because no matter how much research you do about a candidate, how much information you're going to get, there still needs to be a leap of faith because I always say sometimes you'll find an ideal candidate, but there are definitely pieces of them. There's some red flags there, whether you see them or you feel them, you bring them on and it's not a fit where we've had people who, you know, they're 90% the fit. They don't have that one thing, but you know, based on all the things that they've provided, based on just having those conversations with them and having those interactions and talking to their previous employment, that even if they're missing that piece, they will go above and beyond to get there. And that's a leap of faith because you're bringing on a person who is not maybe 100% fit, but you know that they will get there no matter what. Whereas sometimes people go after, hey, they check off every piece of the, like every Mm. single box, 
But, you know, and we've had that where candidates would do like these tests that a client asked, okay, hey, can you can you have the candidates go through these tests? And they would go through and have like incredible scores. And then I get on a conversation with these people on an interview and they're awful. I mean, no offense, but they're awful. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what was the point of that? You know? Yeah. Well, that's the whole like hiring for attitude versus skills or whatever, you know, and that's, Absolutely. that's always been a big thing for me. And I guess gut feel comes into that, you know, when you see enthusiasm in their responses, responses, some people like my favorite ones are when they actually call out the fact that they don't have all the skills. And we, I think we actually had that in the job description. It's like, we, yeah, you might not have some of these skills, like, and that's okay. As long as you're willing to learn or whatever. And we would had had some people that called that out and were just like, yeah, I know, like I don't have these things, but I'd love to learn X, Y, Z. And like, they're the people we ended up hiring, right? <laughs> like it was, was <laughs> but it's good. true. It's true. The candidates sometimes will surprise you more than anything. We've even recently had a position where we needed a candidate who has, you know, three, four, five years of experience in Facebook ads. And then we had a candidate who has like five years in marketing, but only one or two years in Facebook ads. But you can tell that they they literally in the one or two years that they've done it, they've they're already spending, you know, 300000 a month on Facebook ads because they're hungry, they're invested mm. and they do fit the position because yeah. they do have absolutely all, not only the skills, but also the aspirations to get to where a company is looking to go. Nice. There was, there was one thing you said in this process that I'd like to uh, drill into a little bit more. You said, so you, do you get your candidates to record a video for you? Mm-hmm. Yes, and is that absolutely. on every position and is that on the first pass? Like, is that part of the initial application? So what we have is the questionnaire, a skill test, and then the video. So they actually uh-huh. have to go through a few things before the video, and then we get to the interview. So they, they're only they're only getting to an interview once they pass through those pieces, but we are very upfront. And this is something that I think a lot of business owners have the challenge with when they do create a process, they're not always upfront with candidates that that will be the process and they get a lot of pushback. And something I always recommend is put it on the job description. Hey, we have a five-step process. You're going to have a questionnaire, a video, an interview, a skill test, like let them know and give it, it's their decision because once they apply, it's like, Hey, you already knew this. If you read the job description, that this is our process. And so, yes, we do have for, I would say at this point, even for developers, surprisingly, we do have videos. Yes. I know. That was, that was where I was going with that. Cause like, I get it. Um, I, yeah, but I've also, especially if it's the first pass, I think that can be a little bit much. Like if, if they're just trying to apply to jobs, it can be a bit much for them. You know, and I know that I know good people that will just skip past ads if they're asking for a video upfront. So I like the idea of, you know, they're obviously got a higher chance at that point. So it makes sense for them to put in the effort to do a good video, but yeah, wow. You get developers to do videos like that is surprising. I do. We well, you know, and here's the, th- the thing. Again, it, it comes back to I agree with you. Developers have a harder time, you know, doing a video. And you're right. There will be absolutely amazing candidates who will avoid that. Mm-hmm. But a big part of what we do is, is that human factor. We're looking for someone that will be around for the long term, that cares. And when they submit that video, when you know it's something that's very difficult for, a, you know, a developer who's, you know, maybe they're more introverted, they're not really, they're more camera shy. And the fact that they got on and they made that effort, whatever the video came out, they made that effort. They showed up. How how much does that show to their character? This speaks to their character and their motivation to work for you. I mean, it's it's a big it's a big piece. Yeah, 
boom yeah and that's it i think like this is all kind of extension of like yeah how motivated and enthusiastic someone is to work for you it's just like different steps of that so i am i know like a a wary of people's time so i'd like to get through the last couple of things fairly quickly do you have any Mm -hmm. tips on interviews because that's like the, the next step yeah yeah, absolutely. I actually have a whole guide on this in terms of like, oh, sorry, interviews. just, we will like, we'll, <laughs> I won't go too far. We'll send people uh, a bunch of resources at the end of this. So yeah, if you, if you know the links for this, we'll make sure they're all up in the show notes at uh, agencyhighway.com slash one, two, seven. Um, so yeah, you don't need to like go into everything here. I just sort of some quick tips that someone listening can go, Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to go too far into, as I said, I have a whole thing on this, but just some basics. One, make sure that you have, you know, when you're not hiring with an agency, you're hiring on your own, still make sure to have two interviews with two different people. And what I mean by this is having somebody on the team do an interview and then you're doing an interview. I do find that it creates a bigger picture of a person. There's a lot less bias, even for myself, when we're hiring for Remotivate, I always have someone on my team have an interview because I am too sometimes involved. I'm too excited. I want to share everything about the company. And then I totally miss out on a ton of questions I should have asked. And that's normal because as a business and, you know, as a business owner, you're so invested. So I'd say always have two interviews, get a bigger perspective and two different perspectives. Uh, Another thing is a big part of that final interview is being able to share with a candidate your vision of the company, of the role, and where you want to take it. So I always say open up. Don't just grill them on experience. And that's, that's what the process is for. The process should have collected all that information. The conversation is should be about understanding whether they align with your vision, if they align with the role, and if they align long-term where you're thinking to go with business and the position itself to see if that alignment is there. That's something that's so important for those final interviews that a lot of business owners miss out on. So I'd say those are like my top two recommendations when it comes to interviews. Boom. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And I really like the idea of getting someone else to do it. Like, cause I didn't. And cause one of the things you said there was um, bias, like it's sort of a fights bias. And for sure, like, because I had read all the applications, I kind of had an idea of who I wanted to hire already. So in my mind, I was like, oh, that person was so much better on the interview. <laughs> so yeah, I can totally see how someone else could like, you know, balance that out. Um, and then, so your final step was uh, reference checks. Now that's, that is interesting to me because to me, that is something that corporates do. So mm-hmm. why, what have you found there? Like, have, have there been a few times where a reference check is just like clearly like made you go, wow, we just like dodged a bullet and because we didn't hire that person? Like there have been situations like that. Uh, I, but some, a candidate recently said something to me that has really stuck and it, it is true. It's that candidates won't give you bad references, yeah, <laughs> which is exactly. true. They, they really won't. They're not going to give you someone that's going to say something, you know, incorrect, yeah, but right. there are a few ways to figure it out and a few recommendations. One, getting references that have been in the past three, four years. So not taking anything that's older than three, four years. Otherwise you never know like, what, what, they, what were they doing five years ago? isn't actually as relevant to what they're going to be doing now. So I'd say definitely collecting the most recent ones. I always ask for those that are going 
going to be in the last uh, at least six months. So it's not like a two month job. That way they had a bigger picture, a better perspective of the candidate. It always has to be a superior supervisor or previous manager. Some candidates like, oh, this is my colleague, which is like, nope, that's really (laughs) not what we're looking for. And that's not going to work at all. And then the biggest tip that I think is really so important is the way that you ask questions. So rather than saying, was there something that this person did that was horrible or their weakness, you know, that negative presenting it a a tough question like that from a positive perspective, for example, uh, were there any, were there any things that when that person was working for you, they could have improved upon, or they were still struggling with. And the reason I'm asking this is we want to make sure that we are continuing to help this person, uh, take that like level up continuously. We want to know what we can help them with right off the bat when they join us, rather than finding out, you know, Mm -hmm. in six months down the line, we want to help them now. So what do you think we can help them with? When you put that in a in that kind of light, all of a sudden the the reference like, oh yeah, they really struggled with X, Y, and Z. And you're like, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. But that's it helps. Massive. It really does. <laughs> that's a massive tip. Oh wow. And uh thank you so much for this. Like I this has been a mind-blowing so there's a lot of stuff in here for people looking to hire and like i mean while it's not a start to finish playbook there's a lot of stuff that we've just discussed that i wish i knew before i uh started hiring now you know if there's people listening to this that's just going I, I still need more information or this sounds like too much bloody work please just do it for me i have a feeling that you can help them with both of those things where where should people go Yeah, absolutely. So a few different places. If uh, you want to learn more about Remotivate, we're at letsremotivate.com. If you are looking for extra guidance and help in terms of how to hire, we are doing monthly webinars. I'm hosting monthly webinars and it can always be found on letsremotivate.com slash webinar. Super easy to find as well. Or they can, yeah, really reach out to me on LinkedIn and Shrabina. It'll be all in the information in terms of spelling super tough spelling but it will be there and they can reach out there for me as well yeah absolutely so yeah guys you don't have to remember all of that uh or and you don't have to know how to spell anna's last name it'll all be at agencyhighway.com slash 127 127 uh yeah man my mind is absolutely racing and i almost want to go and hire again even though we can't afford it just yet uh anna thank you so much (laughs) thank you jimmy it was a pleasure this has been awesome, guys. If you enjoyed that episode, please let us uh, let us know either at agencyhighway.com or go to the contact form there. I'd just like to know if you have any feedback on this episode, feel free to leave us a review. Otherwise, I'll see you in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.